On a moonlit evening in February 1935, Alexandrina da Costa lay in bed saying her prayers. She was paralyzed, but that didn't stop her from thanking God for all of her blessings. Afterwards, she closed her eyes and tried to sleep. She could hear the leafless trees rustling in the wind outside her window. Then they went silent. Alexandrina suddenly felt cold. She opened her eyes to spot a shadowy figure. It was too dark for her to make out any specific features other than the bright yellow eyes that glared at her. When the being spoke, its voice curdled Alexandrina's blood. It said it had come to take her to hell. She realized the character in the room was Satan. Alexandrina clutched the crucifix around her neck and prayed for her life. The figure recoiled and commanded her to stop. But she didn't. She grabbed a nearby bottle of holy water and splashed herself with it. In the blink of an eye, the devil disappeared. Alexandrina was alone again. At least for that night. But before long, the demon would return with a vengeance. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know, but in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. This is our first and only episode on Alexandrina da Costa. After a vicious attack left her permanently paralyzed, she turned to her faith for comfort. Eventually, she reportedly had visions of Jesus and the Virgin Mary and survived torment from the devil himself. Today, we'll explore Alexandrina's life and miracles, including reports that she went without food for 13 years. Then, We'll look at modern research into religious experiences featuring a helmet that might allow ordinary people to see God's face. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. In the early 1900s, in the small Portuguese town of Balazar, Alexandrina da Costa grew up Catholic. She prayed often, sang in the choir, and developed a passion for receiving communion. This is a ceremony commemorating Jesus' Last Supper. Some Christian denominations, including Catholicism, teach that the bread and wine they consume actually becomes the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Alexandrina's faith was the most important thing in her life. She traveled to nearby towns and villages to hear sermons and regularly made confession. Unfortunately, her family wasn't wealthy, and when she was nine, Alexandrina had to go to work on a farm. This arrangement lasted about three years until one day 
her boss tried to sexually assault her. Alexandrina managed to fight off her attacker, but understandably couldn't keep working under those conditions. She returned home and sought some other way to make money. Her options were limited, especially because she soon came down with typhoid. Alexandrina barely survived her illness, and even after a lengthy recovery, she couldn't do the same sort of manual labor she'd performed on the farm. Instead, she began a new career as a seamstress. Day after day, she toiled with her needle and thread until she turned 14 in 1918. On Holy Saturday, or the day before Easter, Alexandrina and her sister, Deolinda, were sewing upstairs. Suddenly, they heard a pounding at the front door. Alexandrina crept over to the window and peered down to see who was there. It was three angry men, including her former employer, the one who tried to assault her. Now he'd brought the other men with him, presumably to try again. Luckily, even if the men got through, there was only one way into the girls' room, through a trap door at their feet. Alexandrina and Deolinda locked it from the inside, but they both knew it wouldn't be enough to stop the three attackers. In lieu of any other options, the sisters began to pray. They could still hear a thumping coming from downstairs. The men were seemingly trying to break the door in. Moments later, the wood splintered. They were inside. Footsteps raced up the stairs. The sisters pushed their sewing machine on top of the trap door and prayed it would hold. Sure enough, when the three intruders pressed against the door, the sewing machine weighed it down. That is, until the men began beating it with clubs. The sewing machine fell over, and the men finally climbed through the trap door. One grabbed Dale Linda, another cornered Alexandrina. Alexandrina screamed and swung her rosary at her attacker, but the man continued approaching. Her back to the wall, she felt something behind her. A window. It was 13 feet above the ground, but it was her only chance at escape. Either she jumped or faced the men's wrath. So she turned and leapt. As the 14-year-old girl struck the ground, pain shot through her legs and back. It was worse than anything she'd ever experienced before. Still, she was grateful she'd escaped from the intruders. But Deolinda hadn't, and there was no way Alexandrina could leave her sister behind. Through searing pain, she searched the ground until she found a long, sturdy piece of wood. She grabbed it and limped back into the house. Each step was agonizing as spikes of pain lanced up and down her back. Blood dripped from a cut on her face, but she continued trudging upward toward the sound of Deolinda's screams. She climbed through the open trap door and saw the men surrounding her sister. As she lifted her makeshift weapon, they paused and stared, shock coloring their expressions. She swung with all of her might. The men shrieked and tried to defend themselves, but the blows came hard and fast. They hadn't expected a fight, let alone one as ferocious as this. Before long, the invaders rushed out of the house, Alexandrina swinging the makeshift club behind them the whole time. Once the intruders were gone, she checked on her sister. According to Francis Johnston, author of Alexandrina, The Agony and the Glory, 
Deolinda was shaken up but unharmed. Ironically, Alexandrina was worse off than she was. Her injuries didn't heal correctly. For years afterwards, she limped and stood with a hunch. In 1923, 19-year-old Alexandrina finally saw a specialist who told her the wounds would never heal. In fact, they'd get worse until she was completely paralyzed and confined to her bed. It didn't take long for his prediction to come true. The following year, Alexandrina was completely bedridden. Deolinda tended to her sister's every need, but she couldn't remain with Alexandrina every minute of the day. Sometimes she left to sing at church. The 20-year-old longed for the days when she used to be in the choir. Her lost way of life broke her heart. As if that wasn't bad enough, she experienced chronic pain that grew worse over time. Even small movements, like shifting an inch here or there, were excruciating. She began to wonder if God was punishing her for something she'd done. She prayed every day, begging him to cure her. As her prayers seemingly went unanswered, she sunk deeper into depression. In turn, her condition deteriorated. Priests were convinced she was about to die and came to her bedside to administer her last rites. Alexandrina survived, but she didn't improve. Nevertheless, she continued to pray, and eventually, the nature of her devotion changed. Alexandrina began to identify with Jesus. She thought of the consecrated bread and wine in the church, which she understood to be his body and blood. It seemed he was trapped in the tabernacle, the same way she was trapped in bed. In a way, they were both prisoners. Over time, her faith life grew deeper and richer. Instead of wishing for a cure, Alexandrina found a sense of comfort and love in speaking to God or reciting the rosary. She used what little money she had to buy a small statue of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. She kissed it so much, the peace began to wear down. Then, she came across a message written by Pope Pius XI. He believed devout people strive to make the world a better place, even if this led to their own suffering. When Alexandrina read that, something clicked. She realized her pain actually brought her closer to God. She couldn't live the life she'd always imagined, but even from her bed, she could spend her time praying for others. But her devotion came at a price, and if accounts are to be believed, demonic forces were furious at her good works. Before long, Alexandrina began to suffer in a new way, with torments inflicted by Satan himself. Coming up, Alexandrina's visions. They're responsible for some of the most horrifying acts of violence ever known, men and women who went to lethal extremes. But why? Every Monday and Thursday on Serial Killers, follow the life and crimes of an actual murderer, exploring the reasons why they lived to kill. Using extensive research and details you won't hear anywhere else, Serial Killers examines the psyche of a killer, their motives and targets, and law enforcement's pursuit to stop their spree. Listen now and catch our special series on manhunts, where we follow the processes police use as they hunt for murderers in treacherous terrains and unusual locations. 
Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Serial Killers. Listen free only on Spotify. Now back to the story. In the 1920s, Alexandrina da Costa was confined to her bed with no hope of recovery. Initially, the young woman struggled to maintain her faith and good spirit, but over time, she learned to trust in God. Her priest visited regularly to give her communion, and one day in 1933, a local pastor celebrated an entire Mass in Alexandrina's little room. Days later, Alexandrina prayed before bed, just like every night. She was about to fall asleep when she suddenly realized she wasn't alone. There was a man with her. At once, she recognized him as Jesus. He had wounds in his hands and feet, like he'd just come down from the cross. He even had a gash where the Romans had plunged a spear in his side. Even though the wounds were still bloody, she kissed them. Then, unable to contain her emotions, she threw herself into his arms and wept. She cried that she'd suffered too much. For a few moments, he held her. Alexandrina felt utter peace. Then... He was gone. The next year, in the fall, she received another vision from Christ. This time, he told her he wanted to show her the suffering he'd experienced. Specifically, Jesus wanted to drive nails through her hands and feet, then put a crown of thorns on her head, just the way it happened to him at the crucifixion. With her help, they could redeem all of humanity, but only if Alexandrina suffered. Sure enough, after this vision, her pain grew worse than ever. Each day, she writhed in agony, but she took comfort when Jesus returned to her. He showed her his sacred heart engulfed in flames. Sometimes, he even brought his mother along, the Blessed Virgin Mary. These visits brought Alexandrina great joy. They made her feel like she wasn't alone and her suffering had a purpose. One night, late in 1934, she was having trouble sleeping. Then, she heard an ominous animal sound, like howling. The noise was certainly unnerving, but Alexandrina couldn't run away. Confined to bed, she could only lie still as a strange, raspy voice began to speak. Somehow, Alexandrina may have sensed the howls and the voice had something to do with one another. The speaker told her wicked, unsettling things as it came back again and again. It hissed that God had abandoned her. Some evenings, it implored the 30-year-old woman to take her own life. Alexandrina knew her visitor wasn't Jesus or the Virgin Mary. She was being tortured by Satan himself. Night after night, the demon returned to her room and ordered her to obey him. If she refused, she'd experience a fate worse than death. His threats made Alexandrina weep, but she refused to give in. In fact, she doubled down on her faith while seeking support. Alexandrina wrote to a beloved priest, Father Pinu, to tell him what had happened. One night, Satan came to her as a shadow. Two enormous eyes stared out at her from inky darkness. When the voice spoke, it sent pure terror coursing through her body. The devil commanded her to stop writing to Father Pinu and to cease her prayers. They were no use. 
No one could save her from the fires of hell. Then the shadow leapt onto her bed, blanketing her in darkness. Consumed with fear, Alexandrina kissed the crucifix she wore on a chain around her neck. This is a gesture Catholics use to show respect and honor to Christ. The devil recoiled and commanded her to remove all the holy objects she wore, but she refused. So Satan changed his tactics, tempting her instead. He said he'd tell her many secrets if she obeyed his command, but again she resisted. So he left her alone, but only for a night. The next evening he returned with fresh new tortures. They continued for many evenings afterward. Time and time again, he threatened Alexandrina or made demands. Sometimes he tempted her. Other nights he insisted she take her own life. Each night, Alexandrina refused, but the interactions exhausted her. Especially because all the while she was alone. Jesus didn't return in any new visions. She feared God really had abandoned her. Then, one Sunday, Alexandrina lay in bed when a sweet voice spoke to her. She immediately felt at ease, believing she was listening to Christ. The voice assured her that she didn't need to write to Father Pinhu anymore. She was too weak and had simply hallucinated her visions of the devil. Alexandrina couldn't help but feel something was off, so just to be on the safe side, she kissed her crucifix. Instantly, the voice turned from sweet to furious. It revealed itself to be Satan and told Alexandrina if she continued to write to Father Pinu, he would kill her. Then he disappeared. The encounter must have been unsettling, but Alexandrina still wouldn't be deterred. Even after the cruel trick, she kept writing to the Father and praying to God. She begged the Lord to end her torture and keep the devil away. We don't know exactly how God responded, but we do know the message Alexandrina took away from these prayers. She believed the Lord had chosen her to suffer. It was her vocation. Some people are called to teach or to lead or to give to charity. It seemed God's plan for Alexandrina involved pain. That doesn't sound like a great deal. But it appears Alexandrina took some comfort in the idea of a holy vocation. Her agony wasn't for nothing. Somehow it pleased God and gave her life purpose. So the satanic tortures continued and Alexandrina accepted them with a stiff upper lip. This remained true even when the visions turned violent. Sometimes the devil hurled her against the wall, often in front of Deolinda. On other occasions, she thrashed against the iron bed frame or bit herself. She uttered demonic words she couldn't remember later. Her injuries astonished Alexandrina's friends and family members. They didn't understand how any of them could be self-inflicted. The young woman was paralyzed. She could barely move. It was like something else was taking control of her body, like the devil was possessing her. During one of these fits, Father Pinhu came to observe the young woman. He asked who was attacking her. Alexandrina's head lurched upward and she hissed, I am Satan. Do not doubt. 
that it is I. Then she cursed at the priest and swore to rip him apart. Father Pinyu performed mass right there and asked the Lord to release her from the devil's grip. But oddly, when Alexandrina was back in control of herself, she told him she didn't want any more prayers on her behalf. If it was God's will for her to be possessed, then she'd accept it. The request must have struck Father Pinyu as odd, but he stopped praying and preaching at Alexandrina's bedside. Without his help, the apparent possession only became worse. One day, while Alexandrina thrashed under the devil's apparent influence, black smoke rose from her bed. A horrible, musty smell filled the room. The increasingly violent attacks continued for years. To make matters worse, Father Pinu had to travel a lot and offer spiritual care to other people all over the country. One day he wrote to Alexandrina, explaining with sadness that he couldn't provide her the same support he once had. The letter broke Alexandrina's heart and corresponded with a period of especially intense physical pain. In Pinu's absence, Father Pasquale visited Alexandrina and tended to her. When he saw her agony, he attempted an exorcism, which included having Deolinda douse her sister with holy water. Eventually, the remedy worked. Satan departed and never returned in full force. But even now, Alexandrina's suffering didn't end. She still had physical afflictions, including paralysis and chronic pain. In 1942, it was so bad she couldn't eat anything but bread and water. She and her loved ones all thought she was dying. But then on Good Friday, Christ appeared to her once more. He told her for the rest of her life she could survive on the Eucharist, or the communion bread and wine, alone. No need to eat any other food. Sounds like an extreme diet. But Alexandrina reportedly lived without any other sustenance for 13 years. Her doctors were baffled. They ordered tests, and for 40 days she checked into a local hospital for numerous examinations. There was no evidence she'd been sneaking food, nothing in her digestive system. Yet her weight, temperature, and blood pressure were all normal. All her vitals were stable. Plus, Alexandrina seemed psychologically fine. She acted bright and optimistic, not what you'd expect from someone who was starving herself. By all accounts, she was perfectly healthy. No one could explain what was happening to her. Well, no one but Alexandrina. On October 13, 1955, the 51-year-old proclaimed she was going to heaven. At 8 o'clock that night, she kissed her crucifix one last time. Before she could pull her lips away, she died. Nearly half a century later, in April 2004, Pope John Paul II beatified her. In simple terms, this meant she would forever be known as Blessed Alexandrina da Costa. More importantly, a person has to be beatified before they can become a saint. So it seems the Vatican saw her as worthy of this honor, which isn't that surprising, given the many miraculous things Alexandrina did in life. But many people doubt those miracles ever happened. 
Instead, her visions of Jesus and those experienced by many other saints could be explained through some recent breakthroughs in the field of neuroscience. Coming up, the science of religious encounters. Now back to the story. Alexandrina da Costa reportedly had visions of Jesus and the devil, and for 13 years she was able to survive on the Eucharist alone. But not everyone took these accounts at face value. Some skeptics protested that perhaps Alexandrina was hallucinating the divine and devilish figures she saw, or maybe she was making everything up. Before her death, one dubious priest, Father Pasquale, asked Alexandrina about her alleged meetings with Christ. She said when she met the Lord, she didn't see him with her eyes, but with her soul. And when he spoke, it was like words appearing before her, which she could read. Alexandrina was also able to recite every word Jesus said to her exactly as he supposedly said it. But Pasquale still wasn't ready to accept her testimony on faith. He decided to test her. He wrote down everything Alexandrina claimed Christ told her. Other times, he transcribed whatever Alexandrina said during her visions, supposedly including the words of Christ himself. Pasquale was astonished at the highly sophisticated nature of Alexandrina's alleged conversations with Jesus. Even though she was a woman of faith, Alexandrina wasn't well-educated. She'd never studied theology or mysticism, but she spoke beautifully about God and Catholic beliefs. Her understanding of the faith was too deep and nuanced for her to be making it up. But this still wasn't convincing enough for Pasquale. His tests continued when, later, the priest read the words back to her, but not perfectly. Every few lines, he changed a verb here or a noun there. His alterations were so small, they likely would have gone unnoticed if Alexandrina was making it up as she went along. But every time he switched a word or a phrase, Alexandrina corrected him. It seemed she was telling the truth about seeing Jesus in her room. However, even this didn't prove the visions were real just that Alexandrina recalled them vividly. They may have felt authentic to her, but she could have hallucinated a conversation with Jesus. Hallucinations can be a symptom of brain damage. And remember, when Alexandrina was just 14 years old, she suffered a fall that damaged her spinal cord and would eventually leave her paralyzed. According to studies conducted at the University of Maryland School of Medicine, certain spinal cord injuries can lead to brain inflammation. Over time, the brain loses nerve cells, resulting in cognitive issues like depression and general mental decline. And the medical director of the Center for Head Injuries noted, brain damage can correlate with delusions and false visions. Today, if someone claimed they were seeing and hearing Jesus or the devil, or any other supernatural religious phenomenon, scientists could study their brains and check for damage. But we can't know for certain if Alexandrina had any cognitive maladies. There's no record of any medical professionals investigating her brain functioning. However, some have made educated guesses about other religious figures' mental states. 
In 2009, Dr. Oren Davinsky was director of the Epilepsy Center at New York University. He claimed many of the most famous prophets in history, like Moses, may have had epilepsy. In an interview with NPR journalist Barbara Bradley Haggerty, Davinsky explained thousands of years ago, people believed those with epilepsy had been touched by supernatural spirits. It seemed they were communicating with God or the devil, but perhaps in reality, something was triggering the temporal lobe. This is where we process basic senses like sound, smell, and sight, plus emotion and, most critically, memory. Damage to the temporal lobe can lead to all sorts of neurological malfunctions. A person could have trouble recognizing faces, grow emotionally disturbed, and even remember things that never happened. When someone with epilepsy has a seizure, the nerves in the temporal lobe go into overdrive. They may hear music or see bright lights that aren't really there. It's not that big of a leap to think they'd sense an angelic chord or gleaming beams of light and think they had religious significance. Now, Davinsky wasn't saying there's nothing divine in the world. For all he knew, God could have been using epilepsy to communicate with his most devoted followers. And Alexandrina may or may not have had the condition. But if she did, the resulting brain damage may have caused her visions. Ultimately, we just don't know, and Davinsky's theories are unproven. He speculated about what people thousands of years ago may have experienced. There's certainly no way for him to diagnose Moses today. But another scientist found a way to compile evidence for Davinsky's speculation. It's called the God Helmet. One Saturday evening in 2009, 64-year-old Michael Persinger, a neuroscientist at Laurentian University, welcomed journalist Barbara Bradley Haggerty to his lab. She was writing a piece on the link between neurology and spiritual experiences. Persinger led Haggerty to a special room filled with machines. One by one, he attached electrodes to her head. Haggerty laughed, noting she felt like she was in some bad sci-fi movie. Finally, the 64-year-old scientist retrieved a yellow head covering with a black stripe running down the center. Haggerty thought it looked like a motorcycle helmet. Indeed, it was. Persinger had modified it for his invention. He placed the helmet on Haggerty's head and fastened a clasp below her chin. Then he slid goggles over her face and stuffed napkins into the eye holes so she couldn't see. He explained the helmet would stimulate Haggerty's right temporal lobe. She'd feel an invisible presence. Maybe it would seem like God was with her. Persinger exited to go to the control room, leaving Haggerty alone in the chair. Then he switched the helmet on. Haggerty could actually hear the whir of magnetic fields over her head. After a few minutes, Persinger connected to a speaker so he could listen to her describe what she was experiencing. She claimed she saw what she called a roiling darkness. Persinger grew excited, announcing next she'd spot a face. And she did, though it's not clear from her reporting whose face she saw. 
Persinger told Haggerty what to expect in the next part of her session. She'd feel something he called a sensed presence. This was what many people called God. But the sensed presence never came. Though the experiment seemed to fail with Haggerty, she was just one of Persinger's subjects. He reportedly tested the God helmet on over 2,000 people and up to 80% claimed they felt the sensed presence. Still, that doesn't necessarily mean religious experiences are solely the product of the random firing of neurons, especially when they're paired with observable miracles. Remember, accounts suggest Alexandrina lived on the Eucharist alone for 13 years, and if that's true, you can't explain it away through epilepsy. We may never know if Alexandrina's visions were real, but we do know she led a life of faith and compassion. And maybe, just maybe, she experienced something that should be impossible. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We will be back next time with a new episode. For more information on Alexandrina da Costa, amongst the many sources we used, we found Alexandrina, The Agony and the Glory by Francis Johnston, extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. See you next time. And remember, never take We Don't Know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries is a Spotify original from Parcast and is executive produced by Max Cutler. Our head of programming is Julian Boireau. Our supervising sound designer is Russell Nash with Nick Johnson as our head of production and quality control by Lisa Marie Gallegos. Ali Wicker is our supervising editor and Derek Jennings is our writing lead. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Alex Bernard, edited by Ben Hanani and Angela Jorgensen, Fact-checked by Bennett Logan, researched by Josephine Cahew, recorded by Freddie Rivera, produced by Bruce Katovich, and sound designed by Kerry Murphy. Our hosts are Molly Brandenburg and me, Richard Rossner. Dahmer, Bundy, Gacy, Ramirez. You know the names, but do you know the whole terrifying story? Every Monday and Thursday on Serial Killers, take a horrific journey through the origin, evolution, and madness of a real-life murderer, exploring the reasons why they lived to kill. Some were charismatic, others were calculated, but all of them were disturbingly deadly. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Serial Killers. Listen free only on Spotify.